Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings. How are you? Fantastic. I am amazing today. It is beautiful outside. It is an amazing day. All right. So this month we've been talking about starting, restarting, or continuing your career and kind of different aspects of that. And so we've talked about perspectives when starting your career, kind of how to think about the beginning of your career, how to figure out what's not working in your current job if you're unhappy and what to do about it. And I've given you case studies of people who have made significant career shifts. So today I want to talk about alternative work arrangements and um, specifically self-employment, contract work, and side hustles. Just give you some food for thought. This is not for everybody, but maybe it's for you, and maybe this is just exactly what you need to hear today. So first of all, let me define the terms. So if you're self-employed, you're basically hanging out a shingle to provide a service or a product. You're, if you're a solopreneur, you're the only person in your business. So you're going to be doing everything. You're going to be doing the financials, marketing, operations, purchasing, and billing, everything. If you hire others, you may be involved in human resources, payroll, vendor negotiations, etc. So you're going to wear a ton of hats. So that's an entrepreneur or a self-employed person. If you're specifically a contract worker, you're also self-employed, but you're providing services to another person or organization. Now, you could be contracted with a number of companies or organizations, um, and you could also be self-employed and um, providing contracted services, which is what I do, and I'll explain that in a minute. So you're often in this situation, you're referred to as a 1099 because that's the tax form that that employer has to provide you at the end of the year. So you're not an employee of the organization. You're usually not eligible for benefits. Now, I've had some contract workers who have received benefits, uh, but it's few and far between. Typically, you're not getting, you know, paid time off, insurance, retirement contributions, any of that kind of stuff. So also I want to talk about side hustles. So the reason I want to bring that into this conversation is that often self-employment starts as a side hustle. So what that means is you're still doing a full-time job, you're still getting benefits and a regular paycheck, but you're doing this service or you're creating this product on the side. Um, so you're keeping the, the benefits, you're keeping the predictable income, you're keeping that security while you're building this side hustle. And you may be wanting to become an entrepreneur someday. You may have a plan. I work, I'm in a mastermind with a woman right now who works full-time in the educational system. And she has a date set that she wants to become self-employed. Other people see the benefit of keeping that as a side hustle. They like the security of their job. Maybe they love the work that they do. They like the benefits and they want to keep their side hustle as just that. But either way, it's providing you, you know, with additional income. So what I mean, I meant a little bit ago while I said you could be self-employed and be a contractor, that's kind of the scenario that I'm in. So I have my own business, Exclusive Career Coaching, where clients, individuals are working directly with me 
um, and they're coming to me and paying me. I'm also a subcontractor for an outplacement firm. So I get clients from them who need outplacement services. And if you don't know what that is, those are services provided by an employer when they are terminating an employee. So they've let a person go, but to help them go to land somewhere else, they're providing them with um, career services, job search services, resume writing services, those kind of things. So I'm doing contract work and I'm self-employed. So I want to take kind of the journalistic approach of who, what, when, where, and why as I go through this to kind of give you a window into what life would be like as an entrepreneur. So if you've ever thought about this, or maybe you have never thought about being an entrepreneur and you're just curious as to what that life would look like, I wanted to try to give you a taste of it. So the first thing is the who, right? So there's I think some general rules about who's best suited to life as an entrepreneur. And there's going to be a lot of variety in this depending on the product or the service and the way that you're delivering that product and service. Um, but I thought I came up with five things that I think are pretty universal to being an entrepreneur and, and being a solopreneur specifically, because for most of us, we're going to start out as a solopreneur. We're not going to start with a whole team of people. We may eventually have that large team, but in, initially we're going to be employed by ourselves. So number one, you really need to be self-motivated. So what I see in, I'm, I'm in a global entrepreneurial community and several actually. And what I have noticed is that I think that what, Many of the people that are drawn to being self-employed are drawn to it because the structure of an eight to five job is not appealing to them and the and the confinement of a job is not appealing to them. And so they, they go into an entrepreneurial venture because they want the freedom and the flexibility, which is great, don't get me wrong. But when you don't have that self-motivation and that kind of structure on yourself, when you're not able to self-motivate and self-structure, now nobody's doing that for you. You don't have a boss that's that's kind of saying, okay, here's when you come to work and you stay until this time. I need you to do this project and get it done by then. And so if you're not self-motivated, it can be really easy to take the day off a lot, right? And to, to not create the structure that you need to be successful. So number one is to be an entrepreneur, um, selling or doing anything, I think you have to be self-motivated. Number two, you really need a driving passion. This is a lot of work and it's going to require more of you certainly than, than a job. And you must have a driving passion about something. Now I'm going to talk about the different kinds of entrepreneurs that I've observed. And I think that their passions tend to be a little bit different. So you either want to have a passion about the thing that you make. I have a friend who does fused glass. It's beautiful, like mosaic glass. And she does, you know, mirrors and birdhouses and um, wind chimes and all kinds of cool things. And she's very passionate about the glass things that she makes. I'm very passionate about providing career services to high achieving 22 to 32 year olds. Other people are very passionate about the income potential for their business and they, they're passionate about making money and investing money and um, other people are passionate about providing a great work environment for people. Um, a great workplace for people to to thrive in. But the main thing is that you have a very clearly articulated driving passion that fits in with the type of entrepreneur you want to be. Number three, 
you're willing to get your hands dirty. As an entrepreneur, and particularly as a solopreneur, I can speak from experience, you've got to do everything. I mentioned earlier, you wear all those hats. And you have to be willing to get your hands dirty in all those areas. Now, the the goal for most of us as entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, is that we move from doing it ourselves to being able to afford hire, to hire people to do it. But I think there's a lot of value in learning how to do those things first. One of the big learning curves I've had in 2018 is, has been Facebook ads. And I've it's been quite an odyssey. But I know that I'm better for learning what I've learned and going through the mistakes I've learned. And eventually I want to just hire somebody and say, here, take care of this and let me know if it's broken. But right now my hands are very much in that. So you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. Number four, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You're going to be marketing your business. You're going to be, you need to go to, to events like chamber of commerce meetings or whatever it is, depending on what you sell or do. Um, whatever kind of meetings make sense, but you have to be willing to put yourself out there, not just in terms of shaking hands with people at a networking event, but in terms of marketing yourself. I'm If I think about the two people that I'm in a mastermind with, it's interesting that I'm pretty, I'm pretty extroverted and I, I like being out and, and, and talking to people, but both of them are really having to get over their their issue around being seen and being visible and being the face of their company they kind of want to be on the back you know end of things and that's really hard to do when you are a solopreneur so you have to be willing to put yourself out there and then number five you have to be willing to ask for the sale so you're going to be selling a product or a service and if you are completely uncomfortable with the idea of asking for sale you're going to have to get over that or you're not going to make any money and you're going to have what i have heard referred to and i totally agree with it as an expensive hobby it will not be a business it will be an expensive hobby that will probably be costing you more money than you're making so you have to be willing and i have to say that was not an area that was natural for me when i got started but i've gotten better at it i, I don't know that it'll ever be my greatest strength i'm i'm not that natural salesperson that some people are but i've gotten to a place where i think i'm pretty good at it and i also make sure that my head is around how i'm providing service to this prospective client and not about you know oh what will they think of me and oh this is so uncomfortable for me if i can get out of my own head and, and get into their head then i do it much better so those are kind of the things i think that are universally best suited to be an entrepreneur. So if you're not self-motivated, if you don't have a particular passion about anything, you're, you really don't want to get in there and get your hands dirty. Um, you're not willing to step out and represent your organization and make contacts and network, and you're not willing to ask for the sale, you're going to have a hard time as an entrepreneur. So that's the who, the what. All right, so I have noticed that there seems to be two distinctly different types of entrepreneurs. So there's those who have a driving pro uh, passion for the product or the service that they want to provide, right? So they're passionate about fused glass, as I mentioned, or they're passionate. I have another friend who's an entrepreneur who's passionate about creativity, coaching, and editing. I'm passionate about career services. So they, they have a skill set, a very strong skill set in that area, and they're passionate about providing those services. And then there are those who just want to own a business, right? So I call them true entrepreneurs. They're just like, give me a business. I want to run it. I want to, I, I just want to be a business owner. And then there are what I call, and I put myself into this category, kind of that synthetic entrepreneur, 
we have a passion to pursue and it makes sense to pursue it as an entrepreneur. It's not that we necessarily get up in the morning and go, what business can I run? What we get up in the morning is, is, is saying, I love this thing that I do or that I make or that I provide. And the way I can best serve the world is as an entrepreneur. So for the true entrepreneurs, what I see often is that they look at franchises. So when you think of a franchise, that's anything from a restaurant franchise to a car wash franchise to a house cleaning franchise. They look at those franchises as a way to figure out a business, right? So they, they're going to look and, and there's actually like brokers who represent different franchises. And so you can go to a broker and they kind of do an assessment and figure out which ones make the most sense for you. But typically they're going to be looking at their skill set and I'm talking about like their business skill set. It could also be a skill set that would be offered in the um, in the franchise. So I have a friend who has a franchise um, called Action Coach here in town. And so he had quite a bit of experience in his career as a manager in coaching clients. So the, the Action Coach thing made a lot of sense for him because of his skill set. You also want to make sure that it suits your interests. It, there's You have an investment level that varies widely from franchise to franchise. And so that's a factor for sure is how much money can you put into this thing? What's the potential return on your investment for various franchises? And also different franchises offer widely varying amounts of support. So how much kind of corporate training, support, like is there somebody who comes down and helps you? Are there online resources? You know, all of those kinds of things. I always recommend that true entrepreneurs find a product or a service that is either connected to their former career or it uses a passion that they have. I just think it makes everything, you know, kind of easier and more enjoyable. I have seen people who just buy a franchise because on paper, it makes the most financial sense for them. But I think if, if you really want to love the work you're doing, especially if as a franchisee, you're going to be in there day to day doing the work, I think it makes complete sense to love the work that you're going to be doing. So in terms of the what for the synthetic entrepreneur, the challenge really becomes defining the product or service that they provide. So oftentimes I see entrepreneurs that have tons of ideas. They're just full of ideas and very short on follow through. And it's very hard to rein them in to find, you know, to come up with a business plan. Um, and, and also they, they have ideas, but they haven't thought about it from the business perspective in terms of does this product or service actually solve a problem, right? If you've ever watched Shark Tank, one of the things that you'll hear frequently from the sharks is when they reject an offer, you know, they reject a, a, a a business idea from a, a person on the show is that they say, I don't think this actually solves a problem. I don't think this problem actually exists. I think you created this problem or you think it's a problem and it's not. So that applies at all levels of entrepreneurship. So, you know, getting really clear on, is there an actual problem that I'm solving and how do I solve it and how do I solve it better than anybody else is super important. So that's the what. Now let's talk about the when when to become an entrepreneur specifically. And that's a really tricky question. Many people have asked me when I knew it was time. And the fact of the matter was, I didn't know it was time. I actually, and I, I look back and I think that the universe had a real specific plan for me and it, and it was to happen when it happened because it happened. So I know it happened when it was supposed to happen because it did. But I actually 
I left my very secure and fairly high paying job in higher education when I did because I was under I was under the notion that um, I had been invited in to do some kind of contract work for some probably the most well-regarded resume writers in the industry and I had been taught by them. I was their student and I was kind of a star pupil. And I heard what I wanted to hear at the time because I was really wanting to get out of higher education and, and do my business full time. And I thought that that was going to be a very lucrative source of income for me. And it's interesting because I can look back now and I, I only got a few assignments from that. Um, so obviously I was misinformed. <laughs> I wanted to be misinformed. I think I told myself that this was going to be the answer. But I made it work. I found other ways to bring that income in. It didn't come as quick and as um, plentifully as I had hoped it would, which I think is all part of the deal. I think that's what I needed. But the fact of the matter is I didn't know when it was time. So we, I mentioned side hustling a little while ago, and I think that that's the perfect kind of bridge, right? So you start this business on the side, you've got the security of your job, you've got the benefits of your job, and at some point, if you do want to go full-time, there becomes a tipping point. There becomes a point at which you can't afford not to go into business full-time, right? So you've got so much activity over here, and there's so much potential activity that you're losing out on opportunities, right? So if we think about contract work, for example, right? So someone who is going into a company and doing some sort of consulting work, let's say, you're gonna be limited in what kind of consulting work you can do, and you certainly can't do a long-term engagement when you've got a full-time job. So you're probably passing up on opportunities, and you know the dollar amount of those opportunities that you're passing up on. So you really want to look at that and think, okay, here's what I'm walking away from. Here's the salary. Here's the benefits. Here's everything. Here's what I would be walking towards. Does this make sense? Am I willing to take this risk? And I think also what happens, and this is, this is actually borne out in career development theory, as you start to make a change, you know, your head makes the change before your body physically goes. It, it needs to happen that way. So what will happen, and I certainly saw that in my case, my interest in my full-time job began to wane. My interest was really focusing on my business. And I remember I had a particularly challenging personnel issue at this time. So that was a piece of the mix too. And I had gone to my boss and had basically been shut down for getting any support for this personnel issue. And I remember thinking I would have to put all of my energy into solving this personnel issue because I'm not getting any support and I don't even know if I could do it with that. And, and I just don't want to. This is the time to walk away from that and walk towards the thing that I really want to do full time. The main thing I want to say here is that I want you to really plan kind of financially for this move, right? So, you know, in whatever metrics you want to use, I want you to plan for this so that you um, don't just make a knee-jerk reaction and you get mad at work one day and you quit and decide to go into business for yourself. This needs to be planned out on a lot of fronts. That's not my area of expertise, so I'm not going to talk about, you know, what do you do about insurance and what do you do about your long-term health care, any of that stuff. I don't want to talk about that here, but there are plenty of resources out there to help you. All right, so that's the when. Now let's talk about the where. So there's the where of the location you work at and the where of where you find your customers. So I want to cover both of those. So in terms of where you work, many solopreneurs just work from home. That's what I do. 
or at coffee shops. So when I work at a coffee shop one or two days a week with a colleague of mine who's also an entrepreneur, and everybody in there basically, I think, is an entrepreneur. It's, it's a hoot. So the main thing, the main message that I want to give here is that you want to minimize expenses, especially when you're starting out. And I think that sometimes we want to, we want this really cushy setup and we want all the bells and whistles, maybe because we had them in our full-time job. We had a cushy seat and we had, you know, an ergonomic desk and we had all these really nice things. And I really want you to think of, you know, what's essential here for me to set up shop, right? So I worked with a pretty basic desk for many years and, you know, I can get a computer at Walmart, doesn't cost that much money. I have my cell phone already. I just need a headphone, that kind of thing. And I learned along the way some of the things that I thought were, you know, that would make me look good to have this thing. And then after I had it for a while, I realized it was just an expense I didn't need to have. So the, the, the deal is minimizing expenses as much as possible, especially when you're starting out. In terms of where you find your customers, the single best piece of advice I can give you is to get crystal clear on who your ideal customer is. What is the problem you're solving for them? How you solve that problem? And when you know that, you're going to get clarity around what exactly you're selling, to whom you are selling it, and where to reach those customers, and how you speak to them, what language you use to speak to your customers. And that's going to apply to contract work as well. So if you provide a service to businesses, what size company do you serve? What, what uh, product or service do they do? What's the problem you're helping them solve and how do you help them solve that? You want to get really crystal clear on that so that you know where to go to find those customers. All right, why? As an entrepreneur, I can speak with a great deal of authority about the benefits of being an entrepreneur. So these include, not limited to, but flexibility. So one of the things that I love the most about the work that I do is I have that flexibility. Now, I'm very structured and very organized, so the work gets done. But yesterday was a pretty perfect example. Pretty day. We've had a lot of rain. It was sunshiny and not, not terribly cold. And I took a couple of hours in the middle of the day to get outside with my dog. And it was wonderful. And I was willing to work until I worked until six. And then I ate. And then I came back and worked for about 30 minutes or an hour. After that, I work until eight o'clock on Monday nights. That's my late night with my clients. I've got clients lined up for this Sunday. So the work is getting done, but it's not its not on an 8 to 5 schedule um, because that just doesn't suit me. For some people, they're fine with an 8 to 5 schedule, but for me, the flexibility is a big one. Number two, you really have unlimited earning potential if you set up a business that is scalable. And there's lots of resources out there about how to scale a business. And I'm in the process of figuring a lot of that out myself and going from a one-on-one -on -one coaching model to a group coaching model um, so that I can serve more clients and ultimately earn more money as I influence more people. But there really is unlimited earning potential when you're thinking about your own business. There's also the challenge. Being an entrepreneur requires things of you that being employed for someone else will never require. I've had to do so much thought work. I've had to get over my dislike of sales. I've had to get over my, I don't know how to do Facebook ads. I've had to get over a lot of things. I've had to adapt and change on the fly. I've had to make business decisions. I've had to learn about finance enough to run a small business. It's just been phenomenal how much I have grown as a human being because of the challenge of being an entrepreneur. And then the last one I want to say is 
a real deep fulfillment. And I'm not saying that you can't get deep fulfillment from being employed by someone else. Absolutely. And for many people, that is where they need to stay. They don't need to be entrepreneurs. But for those of us who are at heart entrepreneurs, there is a fulfillment that can only come from owning your own business, charting your own direction, making your own decisions, not being beholden to anyone else and 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 running your own show. So I think that deep fulfillment is is a huge piece of it. There's also some pretty compelling reasons not to become an entrepreneur. So if any of these apply to you and you value these things that I don't recommend you become self-employed. Number 1, if you need secure steady paycheck. So sometimes I have people who are part of a couple and one of the couple is already self-employed and so the other one is like you know hey I'd really like to own my own business but for right now I am the insurance I am the steady paycheck my other my other spouse is my spouse is building the business and so they are depending on me and so if you need a, st- a secure steady paycheck you're not willing to take risks then you don't need to be an entrepreneur because there are no guarantees I promise benefits So if you don't want to have to pay an arm and a leg for benefits out of your pocket like I do, then you don't want to be an entrepreneur. If you like and need the structure of an eight to five job or nine to six job, whatever it is that you do, you like that routine, you need that structure, and you're not confident in your ability to create structure for yourself, then don't become an entrepreneur. If you need constant interaction with coworkers, being an entrepreneur, at least initially, is a pretty solitary environment. Now, when I think about myself, and as I said earlier, I'm an extrovert. I have contact on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays with clients. Usually I have all my my appointments booked. So I have one client right after the other on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays. Wednesdays, I work at the coffee shop with my colleague. I'm around other people who are also entrepreneurs. I see my friends coming and going. And then Fridays, oftentimes I'm at the coffee shop as well. So I've got a lot of interaction, but I don't have coworkers to bounce ideas off now. I have a couple of masterminds. So I do have other entrepreneurs that I can get together with and hash out ideas, bounce ideas off of them. But I don't have coworkers like you do in a typical work environment. So if you really need that, don't become an entrepreneur. And then finally, if you need a boss to tell you what to do and when to do it. So I'm not talking about being micromanaged. Nobody likes that. But if you need that really clearly defined job duties, those, you know, here's what you're going to do. Here's how your performance will be evaluated. I'm going to give you a pat on the back if you do X. Then being your own boss is going to be difficult. In closing, if there's one piece of advice I can give you, it is that there is more than enough information and expertise out there to help you build a business. So you are not going to be left on your own to figure this out. If anything, there's really too much information. So your challenge is going to be to sort through all of that to figure out what you really need and who needs to provide that for you. There's group coaching programs for every aspect of business. There's online education for every aspect of business. There are organizations that are geared towards entrepreneurs. There are also organizations geared towards niches such as, you know, an organization for, you know, whatever it is that your your company provides or does. So there's lots of groups and organizations and trainings and all of that out there. So you don't have to figure out anything on your own. So if the only kind of holdup for you in all of this process is, I don't know how to build a business, trust me, you, you'll you be fine. If you 
kind of identify with these other things I've talked about, the actual building of the business. I'm not saying it's easy. It's, it's, it'll be the hardest thing you've ever done. But what I am saying is that there is a ton of help out there. So you do not have to go this alone and you do not have to figure it out on your own and fail on your own. You're going to have lots of help. So I hope this has given you kind of food for thought about, you know, do I want to be self-employed now? Maybe do I want to do I want to do this down the road and kind of start building towards that? Is that something I'm never going to be interested in? Um, you know, do I want to start a side hustle now to build towards a business? What about contract work? Um, I'll just give you kind of food for thought as we wrap up the, the topic of starting, restarting, or continuing your career this month. So I hope you have a fantastic week. Um, this is the end of December, so I will see you again in January. Have a great one. Bye. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.